At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sliska. And today I want to have on uh, a special guest, Drew Gregory, to talk about how to stay consistent and how to stay always. It seems like he's either always in the money or winning the events. So let's bring him on in. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I can't complain, <laughs> obviously. So, yeah. I, dude, I, I don't even have a word to describe it. I'm just super blessed beyond you know, measure, but that's, yeah. that's life, man. You go through a lot of, I've been the opposite many times too, you know, a yeah. lot of mountains, a lot of valleys in life. So uh, you just got to hang in there. And, and like, we're going to talk about today, just stay positive and be consistent and uh, you know, ride it out until you get to the mountains. And so I'm not taking yeah. it for granted. So you went out this weekend at one and I went out this weekend at zero at my tournament. So oh. we're on different, <laughs> we're on different spectrums in this, Kind of why I wanted to bring this topic up is, yeah, you know, st- keeping positive even when you have those bad events. I'm sure you've had your share of bad events, just like you went in this past weekend. Right, um, exactly. So we can just get started. Um, as far as this tournament that you won this weekend, it was for the Bassmaster. I believe it was what lake was it on again? I, uh, Lewis Smith Lake. That's right. I wanted to yeah. say Smith Lake, but I didn't want to be wrong. People call uh, it Smith Lake. They do. Yeah. It, 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 I bought a hat actually in, in the local store there on Friday before I left, and uh, I mean, it was like Smith Lake when I was with all the hats said Smith, yeah. and I'm like, isn't it called Lewis Smith? So they're calling it Smith Lake locally, <laughs> but there's also Smith Mountain Lake in Alabama. I mean, in in Virginia. So I think they're. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. They're all they're getting confusing. Yeah, I mean, when, when you go to all these different lakes and all these, you start to forget, and it, it gets it's overwhelming true. sometimes with all these names and all these different places. Yep, hang but, on. Um, I'm going to switch these ear, earbuds real quick. I'm going to switch them. Yeah. This is falling out. No problem. I wasn't expecting all these yeah. podcasts, <laughs> so I got yeah. these little cheapo, cheapos I'm using here. Yep. 
All right, that should be better, hopefully. So where are you located right now? It's uh, Are you home or are you at a hotel? Or... Yeah, hotel. I'm in a hotel in Carrollton, Georgia, because uh, this is okay. where Crescent Kayaks is, is based. And we're launching the new Sholey today officially. We put, posted a promo video yesterday. Today's the official release. It goes live on the website. The full walkthrough video, it's like 20-something minutes long of this whole boat and all the the cool features it has. Um, so we're going to have a little launch party later today at the factory and some food and drinks and just some, some friends and family coming and hanging out and just celebrating what's been a long, you know, it feels like about a two year process to get this boat to market. Yeah. So anyway, it's exciting. I know you've been keeping a secret for a long time. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. And not, not, not anymore though. And obviously it's a, uh, it performed great on this tournament, so it's it's a one for one winner. So it's pretty crazy to think that the first tournament I fished in it, I won. It was just like this is something that like fairy tales or you know movies are written after these yeah. crazy scenarios like this, and I can't believe it happened. So sorry, I just knocked this thing out of my ear again. But uh, it's nuts, man. Just was just been crazy. So super super blessed. But yeah, I'm excited to hang out and talk to you, and always love your show and love talking about. Yeah some unique and different topics you have yeah. from the other other shows. And that's the, the main thing. I think I'm going to be on a lot of paddle and fin here lately. So the, the key before people really get into this one is I'm going to make this one very different. You know, we're going to talk about something different than the tournament recap and all that. Yeah. And not, yeah. not so much the boat. I mean, we're touching on the boat, but you know, it, it's, you got different podcasts and I like it. It's a totally different, like I said, a mindset of thinking about yeah. a certain topic or, you know, strategy for tournaments, stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, we'll get right into it then. But you have uh, two best tournament wins, BASS tournament wins just this year alone. And you said you're, when we talked last time, you said you're really going for the BASS AOI trophy or yeah. whatever they plan to do with the AOI. Um, yeah. And it's going good for you so far, man. And yeah, that's right. Tournament is the perfect way to start it off. So, yeah, I need one more, one more good one, and I think it, you know, it could it could happen. Um, Pickwick is the last tournament. It's a two day tournament, so it's going to be a good way to finish. It's going to be a challenge because it'll be you know fall October, but really that's like summer, and that's you know down south. It's still warm, so it's yeah. going to be very challenging. That's going to be a tough one. So it's going to be a grinder, but I'm excited about it. You know, if I can do good there, then, you know, AOI is within my grasp. I mean, in reality, I mean, I know this because I follow all the, the data and the numbers and, and know, but, I mean, I don't have four events and a lot of the other, you know, all the other guys that are in the top for the AOI do because uh, I didn't go to Lake Fork the first one. So and I may be, I don't know, seventh, eighth, or ninth when the next standings come up. But, I mean, I feel like it's definitely – I'm in the driver's seat, even, even though they're hopefully going to have more of the pressure on them because they're, uh, you know, up in the standings. They look like they're yeah. they're up there, and they are. They're having great years. You got, you know, Justin Largen, Garrett Morgan, um, Mark Edwards, Eric Siddiqui. I'm trying to think. There's a lot of good anglers that are up there having great years. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be super super challenging to win this. But uh, I got to I got to do what we're going to talk about today. I got to be consistent. If I could just be consistent. <laughs> have a limit both days down there on Pickwick and a decent limit, then I've got a pretty good chance for sure. Yeah. So last time we talked about how you find your fish and we talked about how it 
your strategy to work in good scenarios like it did this weekend and how it can also, right. you know, kind of screw you over. So, but in being consistent, what do you think is the number one thing that you would say keeps you finding fish? Because this past weekend, and crack, I went out Friday, I practiced Friday, it was a bad fishing tournament, and then come Saturday, it was like those fish just completely moved off their bed. Not really moved off their beds, but they weren't, they were more skittish than anything. Yeah. So how do you... How do you approach a situation like that? You know, and like in your situation, a bed fishing tournament means you're right, you know, in the spawn, which means if you are in the spawn, you've got fish that are still pre-spawn somewhere. You, you know, usually you've got fish that are, uh, what, what lake was yours, by the way? It was uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Okay. So, so you, yeah. A super yep. clear, deep lake. Mm -hmm. uh, fish spawn about nine to 10 feet of water. They've right. always had their floggers out. Yep. I was going to say so, flogging sounds like a good way to catch yep. them there. Um, but, yeah, I would say when, it, when you're in the spawn, you've got fish in every stage of the spawn pretty much. And if you and really this comes back to my whole overall theme of really becoming a better angler is, is all about learning more about the entire environment, not just, you know, they're on points, they're on wood, they're on rock transitions, they're on humps, whatever. They're, you know – but why? Like, if, yeah. if you don't know, anglers know, like, oh, there's a good dock bite. Yeah, but why were those fish on the docks? If you start learning the why, mm -hmm. you're going to be able to kind of follow the fish as they move, you know, around and or have a good game plan where, you know, you always want to have an out. And so, and then this tournament I fished was a perfect example. I had, I had to leave my first spot at nine. Um, to get to my next spot by 945. I wanted to get myself at least till nine o'clock at the first spot. I wanted to have an out because I thought, you know, if it's happened at the first spot, I can stay. If it's not, I need another place to go. And in this situation, it happened to be the second place to go was where I really felt had the most potential. But um, so I knew I was going to, you know, move there most likely. But at Grand Lake, I had multiple places, never left, never left that first little spawning pocket where I won, I won in but I was ready yeah. with an out, you know what I mean? And if they did, like you're saying, if they moved on me and they changed and I couldn't relocate them in, in that area, I needed a backup plan. And typically your backup plan needs to be pretty darn different in your situation. It could have been, where can I find the warmest water on this lake? Uh, warmest section where the fish have already post spawn or, you know, up there at this time of the year, quite frankly, it might've been the majority of the fish might've still been pre-spawn. So you probably would have, my strategy would have been, okay, I got spawners here. If they're, if it's not happening with the beds, I need a secondary option, a quick way to get out if um, they're not there. And, and, and that would be pre-spawn fish. Finding where the coldest water is or the area of the lake that's, you know, which which typically is going to be, you know, your, your north, you know, your south-facing banks in the northwest especially are the warmer typically that they get blocked from those winds that are coming down from the most winds that, you know, from Canada and whatnot coming in from yeah. the West and the, you know, they're coming South, you know, out of, out of Canada and from the West. So, I mean, you find those banks that are protected from that wind and they get the most sun because the way the sun rises in the Southern horizon and everything I'm talking about now, I mean, you guys listening probably can understand like, Oh wow, this guy is, he's thinking about the whole planet. 
it's not even like cool. oh they're on docks they're on this it's like no no we're thinking about the whole planet and the way the environment all works together you know and, and the whole ecosystem just flows because think about it we as people do the same thing um two days ago it was 90 something degrees down here and i was in you know just sweating and it was burning up hot well the next day it was 72 for high and had a jacket on it was raining i changed my pattern we as humans changed our patterns and what we wore where we went what we did because it was raining and not sunny and the bass are the same way so they're always changing but if you understand and you can follow um lake levels and river levels and i mean i have all the data in my head i, I check it all before every tournament and know what's happening with the whole ecosystem because the more information i have the more clues I have to kind of eventually put it together, even during tournament day, if, if all goes, you know, to crap, but that, that secondary pattern of finding pre-spawn fish is where I would have been because they're pre-spawn fish. They're, they're very aggressive. They're dumb. They're fattening up. And, you know, where could I go get some of those just to get a limit? Uh, I, that's another secret. Uh, it's not a secret, but it's something I always want to find in every tournament is, you know, fi where, where can I get a quick limit? If, you know, obviously I wanted to find the big fish to win, but being consistent is about catching five every single time. That's really what's going to keep you consistent because yeah. especially in two day tournaments, I mean, one day for sure, but two days, even more so two limits, two days in a row, only, you know, a certain small percentage of the field is going to have that. So you're already beating like half the field if you can do that. So that's always my backup plan in pre-fishing, you know, where, you know, yeah, where do I think it's going to be one, where are the big fish for sure. But, if all else fails, where do I think I can just go and, and find five small ones if I really need to to get my confidence back? And during the tournament, if I can get five and get my confidence back and at least feel safe that, okay, you know what? I didn't bomb. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm going to be in the 50% range somewhere in there. And now let's work on, on calling them out and, and figuring out the whole puzzle um, with, with their world and what they might be doing and where they may have moved and, so yeah, that's that's kind of my strategy, and I, I use this illustration. My brother, I'll never forget. He said he used to drive a semi trucks when he was younger, and he's like, the one thing they teach you is, you know, you're in a big, heavy truck with it's very powerful and can obviously kill people and stuff. So, and and you when you're as a driver, so you are, and, and obviously every driver, not even the truck driver, but should be thinking this. If something happens right now, the car next to me blows its tire and, and swerves into my lane. If you know, if a deer runs in front of the road like where am i going at that instant like where is my out always and that's kind of how i approach the fishing make sure you have a plan a b and c and even further down the line really but um if, if things go because you can get out and go to another place you can load back up and, and relaunch don't don't feel like you can't do that in a kayak fishing tournament people they they do forget about that um they get locked in they get on the water they they do not want to stop making casts but if you continue to do the same thing for so long without getting bites, you got to realize it's at some point it's not happening and it can, you can get right in just 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And this tournament that I won was a good example at one is when it lines out was at two 30 between one 30 and two ten, I replaced my entire stringer and I had a small, small limit. And I was already kind of like, man, I guess it's not going to happen for me today. I, must not be my my day and it's all good but i tried you know kind of like already conceding a little bit even though i never stopped casting and fishing as hard as i could but um if you move you it can get right quick if you've got some you know b and c and d places to go to you know so don't be afraid to do it yeah i mean in this one i think 
for me personally. I stayed on that, tried to get those dogfish to go. And I just stayed there way too long and hit way too many docks. Well, I watched boat after boat hit the outside edges where it like, just dropped off. And they were fishing for the same spawning fish, but I think those fish are more aggressive. And if I started there in the morning versus starting up the dock, I might have had a different outcome because I did get bites later in the day. I didn't land them. I didn't land those fish, but they were more aggressive, like you were saying. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Yeah, there you so, go. I, I do believe, you know, uh, like you said, have a plan B, possibly plan C and D. Also, depending on how long the tournament mm-hmm. is. Um, but yeah, that, that's some great information, though. Yeah, so, and it's key if you got multiple places, by the way, too. You may want to go to the one that has your your spot, if you will, your, your spot where you think you're going to catch them is close to the access. That way, if it doesn't happen, you can get out quick. You don't want to go to the spot that's a, you know, necessarily a really long motor or paddle. First, because, I mean, if you really know it's going to be the spot to win and you don't need a B or C or D, then sure, because that 30 minutes before um, line's end, you do have time to, to make up, make some ground, you know, and get two, three miles down the lake or wherever or the river. But um, I always like to go to a place where I can get out and move um, unless I'm just super, super confident on what's happening. Because then, you know, if you – the other thing you can do is you can go to a place that has a – a long time to get there last last thing in the day but if you do it in the middle of the day it doesn't make any sense if your spot b has a an hour to get there on the water and an hour back so once you go an hour there you're probably never coming back you know you're not going to go waste an hour of, of your day so always in there uh you know always you always want to end there or potentially start there if it's not too far away if it's 30 or 45 minutes well then you could almost be there by the time the tournament starts and all you're wasting is that 30 or 45 minutes on the way back to get out and that's it not times two, if that makes sense. So there's a little strategy like that too, on which ones to go first. The other thing you got to think about is which one of these spots do you feel has the potential to get pounded by bass boats or other kayak anglers first? If you found a place that you think, you know what, I don't think anybody else is going to get here or go here. I don't think anyone else has found it. You didn't see anybody else there. You could certainly take a gamble and leave that one for later in the day. That way those fish are fresh, but it is a gamble. You know what I mean? Like you, it's, it's all that, the thing that makes me nervous before tournaments, you know, every, I'm thinking like, what's I'm scared to, I, this spot, the spot I caught the fish at in this tournament was my better spot. And I was nervous not going there first. I mean, I, I, I didn't even fish it in pre-fishing. I just knew I'd push, I'd fish a little bit further uh, upstream 
but I knew that area, that zone, it just looked right on the map to me. And I said, that's where they're going to be. But it also it's going to be a long way out. So I don't want to waste all that time, you know, getting out to go to the other spot. So I went to that first location because it was going to be quick to get in and out. And then I can move to that second one and hope that nobody had been there and, and kind of found those fish and been, you know, beating up on them. And if they were there, like I thought, hopefully they would be. And, uh, man, I just happened to be right on this one that there were some big ones in that area. So that just comes from experience and looking at maps and just kind of being able to just, just sort of know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. So when you're looking at, like, a, a deep, clear water lake on Google Maps, what exactly are you even looking at Google Maps at that point, or are you? Cause, yeah. Because there's really nothing. What are you looking for then on, on Google Maps? Because I had a hard time. I know this is going to help right. people because I wasn't the only one who was here at this tournament. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, what are you exactly are you going to be looking for if there? Because we couldn't go up a creek. It was we had to fish the lake, and as soon as the bridge mm -hmm. head to the creeks that led into it. We can't touch those. First of all, that's yeah. the, I would, I would, this is another yeah. topic. That's a whole other topic, but I would argue why in the world is the tournament trail have any boundaries like that? It makes no sense yeah. when the kayak, that's what the kayak was meant to do. That's the only reason yeah. why we're in them is to go to the places where the, the boats cannot. So, and go to the places where the boats can. So it's like, that's the beauty. That's our special sauce. So taking that out of the equation and the rules is, killing the whole word kayak that's the whole point of it it's, it's killing the sport because again that's what's going to make our sport great is that we're different from the bass boat worlds and their tournaments and we're not infringing on their just only on their water we also have their water and kayak friendly water kayak only yeah, water that, that became a problem during our trip was this bass guy would just roll up right on us oh, uh, and fish yeah. for the same exact fish without even asking and they don't even, they probably they <laughs> probably butted heads with some of them, I'm yeah. sure. And they were like, why are you guys all over the lake? And somebody was like, well, we're we're restricted to the lake. And then, it, then in my mind, it's like, why isn't everyone in that tournament, every kayak angler, why are you in the tournament? I don't get it. Why not just go and fish the boat tournament that was there that day? Fish out of a boat if you're in the places that the boats can go. That's like, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't get it. That doesn't like compute with me. Yeah. That's the whole point of the kayak. So. <laughs> Um, and that's what's going to make us great and help the sport like really grow and get, you know, when they see the bass boat world sees we're not in competition, we're, we're together in this. So anyway, I go on and on about that. But the thing is, though, it doesn't matter. Like if even if the, you had the boundaries where you could go up the creeks and rivers, it doesn't mean the winning fish are there. It's not yeah. I mean, look at Grand Lake. I was in the lake. I was at a spot the bass boats could have gotten to and fished and they didn't find them. They weren't there. No other kayak fishermen were there. It's not. You know, it's not like something where I'm trying to defend the style that I like to go and do because yeah. I don't. I like. I mean, I enjoy that. That's what I enjoy. But I like in a tournament, I go where the winning winning fish are. The only thing I don't do a lot of is offshore fishing um, in the lake. I don't. It's just not my style. You know what I mean? And I don't. I don't feel like a person can be good, especially at our level, at all all those styles. You know what I mean? Like, like John Cox yeah. is John Cox for a reason. He he's can shallow water go shallow water and he's learned it so good that he can win on any leg, no matter what the other guys are doing. And so, and he's a professional. He has the time on the water and the, the, um, the experience and the uh, relationships with all the manufacturers, all the fish finders. He certainly has the time of anybody, right. To get, to go learn 
how to be really good at offshore with electronics, but even he doesn't shoot. So what, do, what do we think we're going to go out there and learn how to be good at all of it? You know, like we're not, I mean, so you got to pick what your style is and stick with that. But anyway, I'll, I'll get back to your question because you're kind of getting on a rabbit, <laughs> kind of rabbit hole. but um, what I would look at in, in Google earth is, um, is basically um, take, go to Google, Google earth pro, make sure you've got it where you can go back in history and look at yeah. some lower water levels and things like that. Um, again, I, I'd be, I don't know what the water temps were and not that that really matters because fish spawn at different temps in different places uh, of the country, but I would definitely be like, okay, am I, is my mindset going to be pre-spawners or spawners or what? And then of course, um, look at the best protected coves with taller trees and things like that, maybe, or, or steeper banks, you know, on that Northern side, if I'm looking for the spawning fish and not just spawning fish, North, North, North or Northwest side or any cove that, that faces that direction. That makes sense. That's going to be facing the South. It could yeah. be a, on the, the South part of the lake, but it's, it, it kind of like there's a big peninsula or a big cove. It loops around where you've got a bank that is protected from, from the wind and is facing the South uh, and the East a little bit. Technically that would, so I, I mean, I would got, have gone and kind of tried to scout most of those because if the wind were to pick up for spawning fish, you're good to go because you got wind protection. You know what I'm saying? Because it's hard to sight fish, you know, when it gets choppy. So you found, yeah. I would have marked a bunch of places that had calm, were going to be slick, even if it got windy and, uh, or, and or cloudy. I still could maybe have caught them, marked mark the beds, obviously pre-fishing and then gone back to them. But the other thing you could do is on your satellite imagery, if you go and take the, the lake down to its lowest point or the clearest view, you know, you could go and mark waypoints on a lot of, staging areas and pre-spawn staging areas maybe there are some some humps and, and you might have to use your other mapping to find some you know humps and and kind of ditches and channels if you will that maybe lead into those very uh protected areas where we feel like they're going to spawn first so you know if, if they're going to spawn there it's just you work backwards if you think they're going to spawn on those banks first the ones that were protected and facing that um south then they got to come from, you know, the fish are living offshore have to come from, you know, out in the middle of the lake. So you can intercept them and find them, work backwards, you know, almost intercept them. And, uh, and just, that's, that's kind of, I guess what I would have done. Um, I haven't seen the lake. So that's, that's a, that's kind yeah. of, tough, but, but without seeing it, yeah, that's what I would have done. And obviously, you know, it feels to me like a light, like a, are they hitting top water up there yet or not yet? No, there was a lot of them were caught in that nine to ten foot range. Okay. Uh, the, the top winner, the guy who won, caught him in twenty feet. Okay. But he's also like he knows the lake very well. Like, so he might have been fishing for pre-spawners still that were. He might have been. Yeah. Because he, he didn't go up. He didn't go up to shallow until because it did get windy that day. We started getting two to three footers in certain areas of the lake. And right. that's when he that's when he decided to move more shallow and start okay. fishing for those spawning fish. Which gotcha. is interesting. I mean it was interesting to me. At, like I said, I think I just stayed way too shallow and way too on the wrong on the wrong fish. Yeah. Well see, he had an A and a B. See, he he knew yeah. okay, if it's gonna get windy, I can't fish this offshore stuff later in the day if it's gonna get windy, so I gotta do it in the morning. He did it in the morning, got his limit and got a good limit, it sounds like. But then he said, okay, now I can, I have some areas he's picked nearby. Maybe he unloaded and went somewhere else or maybe he motored or paddled to it. But he, he found areas nearby that were 
you know, shallow spots to catch fish too to kind of call up a little bit more. So, you know, he had a, he had a nice little game plan there, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely mine just kind of went to crap. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like, but I, like you said, I took that, I took that gamble, you know, once I launched, I went a good 45 minutes to an hour up the lake and kind of just worked my way back. But at yeah. that point, I was kind of already, this is, it's either going to work or it's not going to work type of deal. Yeah. Versus pulling out. And then plus you had to pay like $10 every time you launch your, your kayak. So. Oh, man. Uh, that comes into play. Ramp, yeah. 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 Every, and every single ramp was a $10 charge pretty much. Like, Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Making some money there. But uh, oh, yeah. it sounds like a good, it sounds like it, uh, you know, is a good fishery though. But you just got to, you just got to find yeah. them. Yeah. So, so um, going off it. Of, so, how do you remain like if you if you're having a, that tough turn? How do you go into the next one more even? You know, even with yeah. confidence. Yeah. Even well, I, that's a good question. Um, I I was a little bit ticked off after the uh, Hobie on Santee Cooper because I I made a bad decision, and it happens to all of us. You know, that's the thing. So that's first of all, that's the one thing. Everybody who has a tournament like like you did. Like I do, we all do. You got to remember, um, team sports are like Tiger Woods, for example. He didn't make every cut, you know. Yeah. But even when he was most dominant, he didn't make every cut. Now he, he made most of them and he won a lot. But we're even we're talking about the the point zero one percent of the one percent in someone like Tiger Woods, generational talent. So if he can't if he can't even make every cut, then what in the world are we supposed to expect of ourselves? You know, you always are hopeful and you want to, you know, I go in every tournament, you know, expecting and wanting to win, of course, but, I, but in the back of your mind, you know, the reality is, okay, it's not always going to happen. And so therefore you don't beat yourself up too bad when it happens because, you know, the next one hopefully is pretty right around the corner in a few weeks or a month away, yeah. you know, for different people. And you can forget about it because it, it just happens. I mean, things, there's so many factors because we're not, we're not golf is one thing you're dealing they're dealing with wind and weather just like we are conditions but imagine now like it's not just about can you hit the ball accurately and engage all those wind and the weather and all that humidity and barometric pressure and hang on sorry this fell out again uh because the, their ball changes the way it flies with different humidity and pressure i mean it really is so similar and they're trying to hit a target just like, you know, every cast we make. We're, we're Even if you're offshore fishing, you have a spot you're trying to cast it to exactly, you know, within a, a foot radius or whatever you're trying to. So, but obviously if you're fishing structure, then, yeah, you're trying to hit a target. So now imagine your target is no longer this flag stick that's, that you know where it is. It's, it's a moving target. And so you have to have all the skill of, you know, the golfer that has to, you know, fight all the, that, those conditions to get a, a shot where he knows where his target is. And we actually, our fish is swimming around moving. I mean, yeah, we know where the structure is, but it's constantly moving. And now there's another participant involved. So you can't beat yourself up too much because they do move. Things do change. And, you know, it's, it's very, it's very hard sport. It just is. You don't see now, if you get into three and four day tournaments, a lot of the same names will pop up because, you know, by the time that many days go by, the guys that do have more experience and have kind of learned how to, you know, kind of track down that moving target. Maybe they have a bad day one day, come back with a solid one another day or a great day the next day. Next thing you know, you know, they're up there. So 
but anyway, you got to just uh, stay positive because it happens to everybody. So here, here's, so here's a good example. So it, it wouldn't have ruined my day and, and maybe back in the day it would have, but I, I don't know. I just don't feel like I'm this kind of person where at the back at the Airbnb with all the guys you stay with or whatever, you cannot let that get to you where you all of a sudden become miserable to be around and, and, and miss out on the whole beauty of kayak fishing and enjoying God's creation and being out there. Obviously we, we want to do well, but when we don't, what's, what's cool is that if you, if people come back and, and just they have that understanding that it's just not always going to happen. So it doesn't ruin your whole life and day. If it is, there's something else you might need to work on just, you know, with yourself. I'm not saying don't be, be like internally frustrated, you know, and motivated and just, fired up and ticked off because I am, I get inter internally very mad. Like at St. Cooper, I was not happy that I could not figure them out that second day after I was uh, 22nd out of 200 on day one, had a chance to get in the money. I'm a two, two, three spots out of the money. And I took a gamble to go explore the swamp in a whole nother area. And I should have just stuck with what I did the first day. But, um, but anyway, you can't, I get internally super mad and I just feel like if you let it, let it motivate you and positively I get internally mad and, and more of a, a positive mad and motivational mad, which is what I think caused me to kind of really go on this flurry here lately. Um, Cause I was more determined than ever to not let that happen again and bring, turn it into a positive and do not let it bring, bring you down uh, the rest of your life or at home with your family or with your friends, because that's the, that's the thing where I think at that point that, the sport and the fish have really gotten to you and, and you've really, you're getting beat more than you've realized then it's not, it's not working to a positive anymore. It's, yeah. it's becoming, it's eating at your, it's, you're becoming bitter. You're beginning, you know, it's not fun anymore. It's not fun for the people you're around. It's not fun for you. So you got to really kind of learn to control that part of it because it's just an individual sport, man. It's, it's hard. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're not going to do good all the time. It's yeah. super hard. I mean, being in the top, 30 or 40 percentile even of, of tournaments consistently the whole time is, is tough. Um, so there's going to be some 80th percentiles in there too. And some, some, or whatever. I don't know if that's, is one percentile good or is 99 good? I can't remember what it is in this <laughs> term, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I kind of already forgotten about it. You know, I had that drive home, but, I went to Brian's house after because I had to drop off his battery and stuff. Yeah. He stayed at his house. Um, just talked to him about it. He's like, you know, the tough lake. Just got to forget about it. Go on to the next one. Yep, <laughs> and learn. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. And I know Polinick has yeah, a Yeah, that's what I'm trying thing. to do. That's why yeah. I'm out here talking to you about it. I'm trying to learn, like, what could I have done different or not necessarily mad at myself, right. but more of a, like, Okay, well, if we go here next year, how do I approach it yep. differently? Yep, you either that's what he says. I think Polnick says it, and other people say something similar. And I agree, you either win or you learn. Yeah, and really, if you win, you're probably learning too. But basically, anytime you're not, yeah, you know, and winning and fishing really is just you know, whatever cashing a check pretty much could be considered winning, I guess. But you know, you, you just learn, and I learned from that decision. I said. And it depends on what you're trying to do. I was trying to get take a home run and get in the top 10. I was like, I could probably, on, on Santee Cooper, I was like, I could probably go back in the same spot where I had seven bass bites. I landed six, not many, so just one over limit. It got pounded by other people. It got pounded by me, and I said, you know what? I'm, I might go there again and only get three or four and not get a limit. 
maybe I get five. I mean, I caught a big one, so maybe I get get lucky and get another big one, but my odds are better just going and pre-fishing and exploring this whole place and, and stumbling onto them because I know they're out there somewhere. The water was high and, and kind of murky and in some areas up in the, in the swamp and that lake. And I said, I, if I go all day long, I can stumble onto them. And I don't think I made the bat, the really the wrong decision. I mean, in hindsight, it, it did not work out. I still stand by the decision, uh, the thought process, but that just goes to show you can even make the right decisions with fishing and you're not going to get the, the result you wanted because it's a moving target. It's tough. And you just got to understand that that is the game going into it. If you understand that, then you're not going to be that, I guess that just like frustrated and down. But anyway, the point is, yeah, you learn. I mean, you just, you got to take what those uh, times you don't do well and learn. And that's what I did. I said, you know what? I'm going to make sure in pre-fishing on these next places that I've got just a better B, you know, B, C and D. I mean, all the way down the list and, I just didn't, I never in pre-fishing, I mean, I guess that lake just got me the, the conditions and how high, high it was and the, the, um, you know, the wind that came on that Santa Cooper uh, tournament for Hobie. And I, um, I did not really have a good, obviously I didn't have a good B or C or D because why did, you know, why would I have gone pre-fishing and just totally gambled on new water? Right. If I yeah. had a B and C and D I didn't. So that was where, um, the pre-fishing, I just never found it. And sometimes that's, that happens too. Like it just happens. Like you can't, sometimes it's easy to say, Oh, have a A, B, C and D, but sometimes you can fish for three days pre-fishing and you, you can't even find an A and that's yeah. happened to me before too, or, you know, not let alone a B, C or D and, and that's okay. I mean, I, I tied for first at Pickwick and lost uh, via tiebreaker on fishing water. that was brand new on tournament day on KBF trail series last year. And, I did because I because conditions changed on us and it flooded, so there was no there was no more A and B that I had in my mind because they were it was all just chocolate milk in those areas. So sometimes you can go into a tournament with no A, just going and pre-fishing, and you can still and that goes back to on that Friday when it flooded the way it did. That goes back to our whole beginning of this conversation. Do you understand this world and this environment and this fish and what? We all have a priority. One day I need to do like a little seminar. There's a priority list. I don't know what it is, but but I can tell you this: if if I'm, you know, cold or like a so cold, like like a frigid cold, right? I'm not worried about food at that point. My body, yeah. I'm focused on warmth, getting warmth, and then I'm going to worry about food, right? There's like a priority list of all these things, you know, that that I want. I'm going to get this before that to survive, right? And fish in the same way. So when it flooded on Pickwick, and I understood the whole you know, the environment. Okay. Well now where are they going to go to get out of, you know, out of some current protection when the waters rose in the, in the rivers there? Well, they got it cause they don't want to, you know, be in that heavy swift current. So where can they possibly pull to? And I found a spot, you know, again, just kind of like on the map where I thought they would be. And I went, but I also had an out. I knew that I could get to this place pretty quick. If it doesn't work out and they're not there, like I think I can go and just keep practicing, you know, all day long pre-fishing and maybe stumble onto them. But that's kind of, um, yeah, that's kind of just the mindset, man, right there is just trying to piece all this together. And it's why we love this sport, dude. You know, it's, it's yeah, the whole reason it we love definitely, it. Hard to figure out. Every day is a different day, I feel like. Yeah. You know, even when you feel like you figured them out in practice, it could easily change turning with you, like you're saying. Yeah, and that's what happened to Eric Sadiq. Yeah. I know he was on him. He was on him at Smith, uh, Lewis Smith Lake, 
um, the pre-tournament meeting, I was really, he, you know, I saw him show a picture to Brad Case of some pretty good ones and heard some rumors he was on them. And, and you know, he's always on them, it seems like, uh, here lately. So, <laughs> so dang, man, he, uh, Eric's probably going to, probably gonna, you know, come away with a good good stringer. I got to go catch him. And um, he wasn't at the results, and I was like, where's Eric? And I, I, I heard the story. Uh, I think I talked to Mark Edwards and uh, who was staying with him. And I think he said, dude, his fish just, they moved. They left on him because he was, he was on them pre-fishing. I mean, on them. So it happens, man. It happens to the best of us. And if it wasn't that challenging, then, um, you know, and they didn't burn us like that and they were so predictable, I don't think we would all love the sport as much as we do and be as passionate yeah. as we are about it. So it's kind of, you got to take the good with the bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I definitely agree with that because there's, there's tournaments where I went out and practiced and I found them in tournament days and then there's tournaments like this past one where I felt like the practice day went really good and then tournament day, it completely changed. But you know, that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's why we do that. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, and you always got to, you know, know what your goals are. If you're fishing yeah. a local club and your goal is AOI and then it might be more advantageous for you to, like on Santa Cooper, if I was really – you know, really wanting the AOI points, I would have probably should have gone back to that same spot and then um, at least got what I could in that area and then then, then took the gamble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead, I used my 30 minutes of pre-fishing time to get further away out into this swamp where I wanted to start exploring. Um, but I should have, you know, started uh, in my other place and then done – and that way I hedged a little bit and I probably, I probably would have had a limit or close to it if not, which would have – got me a really good finish because it was a tough tournament for limit wise but if you know in hindsight maybe i should have done that but i was actually going for top 10 win but if you're going for aois for example or points that is definitely a different strategy you got to think about you know um sometimes yeah. if you're going for a win you're, you're like i don't even care i'm just going for the win like at the Bassmaster uh, championship there is no there's no aoi points you know it's like all about go for broke and that's another good example where I was fishing up in the river arm and they cut the water off on me and it, you know, it all dropped out and they, and the, the phone call, the, the hotline from the dam the day before said they were going to run water until 10 PM all day long. And they cut it off the day before at 10 AM. And I got like 94 inches or whatever it was. I was in second place or something like that or third or fourth. Maybe. I, I don't know. But yeah, I was you, like, I'm going like, to win this thing. Cause I know where the, I found where these fish have sort of like pulled to when that water's moving and they're going to run it all day long. And then they cut it off at 9 a.m. It wasn't like they shorted me an hour or two. Yeah. They shorted me like the whole day. And they just would not bite when it's off. And, they, you know, had like two two fish, I think, before it went off. Two or three. And that's like all I had. So if they don't just totally, you know, do that stuff to us, then I'm probably not as ticked off going in, you know, to yeah. these other two tournaments, which caused me to be all right. I didn't because I didn't have a good out at that tournament either. I, I, I had some places I could have gone, but. I never had caught fish there pre-fishing because it was a tough, uh, cold, very, very cold pre-fishing in that tournament and rainy um, until the final day of practice. So all my pre-fishing, I never caught any of those other places. So where was I going to go then other than the place where I caught 90-something inches in a couple hours the first day? So anyway, even though it was sort of out of my control and the, and the dam said they were going to run water and they didn't, it just even caused me to learn even more like, dude, you can't even rely on that 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 usually they don't change that i'm sure very often like oh it does say the schedule yeah. the generation schedule is subject to change but it's very rare that it actually changes and i have a feeling 
Bassmaster Classic is the reason they changed it because they wanted to hold water in Lake Hartwell. We were on Lake Russell below Hartwell a little bit more. Maybe there was some pull from bass. I don't know. Have the, have it hold the water to get it, you know, up to a nice, nice full pool level for the classic competitors. I don't know, but for whatever reason they didn't. And that, it just caused me again, like even when you think you got it in the bag, you know, after day one, it was amazing there. And you still need to have the backups on backups. And just in cases, you know, you don't ever want to feel too confident. I mean, look at like, like I just said, I mean, Siddiqui was on giants and, and this lake pre-fishing and they just. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Vanish. So, I mean, I don't know if you had a backup plan or not, but it, but I can imagine if you're on them like that and you found a big school in the lake, an offshore school or whatever they were, you're probably just sitting back just like, I yeah, can't wait for tournament day to show up, you know, just, just chill and relax. But it just yeah. goes to show you can't rest on your laurels in the sport. They're – it's, they move, man. It's challenging and things out of your control happen. Your motors break down your, you know, pedal drives sometimes break. I mean, the mechanical things are part of our sport. Um, and obviously dams can change your schedules and whatever. So it's not. Yeah, I mean, there's so many variables. So many. In this sport. So many. I love you it know, though, man, because we can never figure it out. Yeah. The people looking out from the outside in, I don't think they really grasp it. Like they try talking no. to people who don't fish at all and who know nothing about tournaments and they're like, well, man, you got, you know, you got these couple sponsors and stuff. You should really just go catch them, huh? Like, it's not that easy, man. No. It's not. That easy. It's not. I mean, <laughs> it's not. That That's the thing too. I, I'm sure. And I was talking on another podcast about this. I'm sure that somebody or people out there in the kayak fishing world looked at the, the leaderboard and saw that I won and they were like, oh, Drew Gregory won again. Man, I bet that was easy. <laughs> it's like, do yeah. you have any idea? I had nothing at 1.30. An hour yeah. before the tournament, I was 20, uh, who knows, probably middle of the pack, you know, 20-something, 30th place. I wasn't anywhere. Nothing. And if I don't get to that spot in time or I miss one of those fish, a 19-and-three-quarter-inch fish culling out of like a 15, that's a giant cull. That's giant. 
So I had two of those big 19 inch fish in this Lewis Smith tournament, 19 and a quarter largemouth as well. So, man, if I just miss one of those, you know, like uh, it, that big largemouth was hooked barely with one little hook in the in its mouth with the whopper plopper. And I saw that when I was bringing it in real clear water and I turned it, you know, I kept turning him back and forth a couple of times, hard turns where that bait would get another hook would get in his belly. And I was lucky enough that that strategy worked. Um, and that's just something you can do. Just, again, that's even that is such a little thing with experience. You know what I mean? Like seeing the fish is barely hooked, knowing what to do to, to get another hook in them or to get them in, you know, whether it's just slow, if it's a single hook bait, whether it's just f- finesse, fighting him the whole time really good to really wear him out and knowing when to kind of bow and give line or in my situation I had the opportunity to um you know do the old method where you just sweep the complete opposite direction to get that bait back into him uh, to get a second hook a second set of triple hooks in him and uh it worked but little things like that that experience man like that if if I didn't have that experience that fish gets off right we're not talking about the wind no one's saying oh it must have been easy for Drew it looked like oh he won again you know, because um, it never is easy. Never. I mean, no. never. It's so hard to come by. Yeah. And so that's hard. Why people, that's why people count wins as, you know, like you said, cash and check. There's always a, a win for the everyday tournament person. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully that gives people hope. That's <laughs> that, that's my goal is to say, look, yeah. I mean, I didn't have anything till, you know, one thirty. I mean, really. And so, you know, just, I don't know. Hopefully that gives people hope that, you know, it's not, it was, I was so close. It was so close to not happening. And, and when they're not very, you know, close for things to not happening and they only have a little bit of time left, hopefully it gives them hope that it still can't happen. Or if it doesn't happen, then they're like, you know what though, even though it didn't happen this time, I could have been super close, you know, to yeah. finding it, figuring it out. And, and uh, next time, you know, maybe, maybe they can. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, one, one last question, kind of off topic. Yeah. Um, but I personally want to know because I kind of struggle with this. When you're pre-fishing, how many fish do you hook versus how many do you shake off? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, this in this Lewis Smith Lake is a really interesting tournament because I just cast from the bank. I saw a couple of nice ones in the water from the bank. It was so low and clear, and I was like, "Wow, there's some fish cruising right there on sand flat." And I threw a spinner bait in there and. Um, it's a, actually a prototype of, uh, I'm working on a bait that I designed and I caught one and the one that and I measured it was like 16 and a half. And then the other one was about the same size that was with them. So there was two fish right there. There were already good fish for this lake right there. And I knew if I put in there in that area, well, if I, as I worked my way, you know, up or down in that area, then there's obviously going to be more They were that size. So in this situation, I didn't, um, I didn't hook any more. I didn't even cast any more in that area. And then I went to, another spot which is actually the place that i put in first and caught a good one from the bank too and this never happens man like i know you just don't catch good fish from the bank uh very often and i mean sometimes i do actually but anyway um i was like hey it's 17 inch fish almost and i'm not going to fish anymore because i know and that all goes back to another thing i do by the way is look at the the weights that have been winning the tournaments and convert that to inches which you can do uh, and I knew this tournament was going to, most of the weights that were winning were, you know, if you catch 14, 15, 16 pounds on that, on that lake of fish, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have a good chance to win a boat tournament. The Bass Nation tournament had uh, maybe a few weeks before had a hundred anglers, hundred boats, I should say. And the 
maybe one day on day one, there was an 18 or 19 pound bag. So I knew if I got somewhere in the 85 inch range, I had a chance to win. I just need to get around 85. And I thought 85 to 90 because these Alabama bass post spawn, they are kind of long. They can get long. So um, 85 to 90. And it was important that I knew that number. Why was it important? Well, because when I caught the 16 and a half and, this, and the one that was almost 17 off the bank, I knew I don't need to touch this area anymore because if I get five of those 16 and a halves, I'm at 82 and a half right there. And surely downstream or upstream a little bit from that, you know, bridge, I can find some bigger ones in 16 and a half if I caught one from the bank. Right. So I knew that the, the quality of fish were there at very worst. If I get 82 and a half, I'm cashing a check. And I don't know if you got the standings pulled up, but I'm almost certain that second place, Chris had 90, uh, 89. I had 89 and a half. He had 89, but then it was, I think Tim Perkins at 84 and a half. So, if, so let's assume, let's say I would have went in there and just caught five, 16 and a half. I would have been fourth place probably right below Tim. So even if that, like, why do I need to go in there and catch a 19? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, I got fourth place fish right here and potentially with just a one or two good ones in there getting to 85, like I said, and 85, would not have won, but it would have got second place in this tournament. If you take my 89 and a half out of it, let's say I caught 85, like I was shooting for 85 to 90, and Chris had 89. He would have won. I would have had second. So I knew I had – I pretty much had 85-inch fish in the area, so I didn't catch anymore. Um, so when I catch a few decent fish in that, you know, depending on the lake, you, again, that decent depends on the lake, then I just – stop fishing that area. I don't fish anymore. I don't really shake a lot of fish off, but if it's low and clear in the summers, I pull the bait away. If they're coming after I'm burning a spinnerbait or a buzzbait or whatever, chatterbait, I see them coming and I see their size. I pull it away. I just don't, I don't often have baits that have, you know, cut hooks or, or I don't really throw a lot of soft plastics where I can not set the hook and shake it off. But, um, but you know, you can certainly do it, but uh, I don't you know. I don't know what the point is. Once you found the size you need, or not the size you need, which means you need to find a, another area. Um, and, you, and once you're catching a bunch of fish that are smaller, like man, you're probably not gonna. I mean, you're probably not in that area. You're probably just gonna be around small fish. You know, you can at some point you need to go. You know, what I mean, it's fun to catch fish. Yeah. I know. And you're thinking, well, eventually I'm gonna get a big one. But if you're catching good numbers, and your percentage of small to big is so disproportionate, I think you just I think you need to find another area and leave. So, but yeah, hopefully that answers that question a little bit, but. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, it's something that I've always kind of struggled with. Cause when we get out there with fish, we want to catch every single thing that we, you know, bites. But at yeah. the same time, you want to save them for tournament day. Cause if yeah, you exactly. hook them, you hook them in pre-fishing, you're probably not going to hook them again on tournament day. Yeah, at least probably not. I mean, fish. Yep. That's right. That's one. Your odds just went down a little bit from that yeah. one fish, potentially. Potentially, who you know, who knows? But yeah, it's a good question. Right. Well, I've had you on for pretty much an hour now. It's been about fifty minutes. Um, do you want to talk a little bit? I mean, this is going to air probably uh, three to four weeks from now. Oh, okay, um, cool. This, so, gives us a little time between podcasts. I know you've been doing kind of them that are going to air this week. Mm -hmm. um did you want to give any any uh like and talk about the show at all or 
Yeah, I mean, like that. sure, sure. I mean, the video will obviously be out by the time this airs, so you guys yeah. can go watch the full walkthrough video, which is uh, <clears throat> it's going to be drop here in about thirty minutes. But um, I believe, but um, yeah, you know, it's a just a, it's an awesome boat, man. I mean, I, obviously, I designed it, so I mean, <laughs> I'm going to feel like it's awesome because it's kind of how it, I feel like I want things, but it's not even about me. It's like how I feel. It gives people the options, you know, to put things where they want it's not locking it's not boxing anybody in it's not like it's a complete yeah. open platform boat there's definitely like structure and contours and a place for this and a place for that but it's not it doesn't box anybody in because there's so many integrations into this kayak so there's a cubby for example for a fish finder your fish finder will recess in flush kind of like that you're on your truck you know your radio and your screen your, your gps is in there uh, flush so it's not um, like back in the old days where you got a suction cup to your windshield and it's yeah. kind of clunky up there. Okay. Everything in this kayak is built in flush, but this is a big, but, but if you don't use a fish finder or you don't use an anchor wizard, which is built in flush where only the handle sticks up, uh, you don't use a, a boondocks landing gear or you don't use a, uh, there's a few other examples. I'm trying to think what they are, but um, uh, everything's flush, you know, the catch board recess flush, everything's built in, and if you don't use them, those things, it's okay because there's a secondary and third reason for them. For example, the anchor wizard recess is a cup holder. So if you don't use an anchor wizard, guess what? You have two cup holders or you can throw your weights and hooks in there, whatever, on either side of you. It's the same spot where every cup holder is on every kayak. So it's not boxing you in saying, oh man, I don't, I just wasted space on this kayak. I don't use an anchor wizard. It never does that. It never does it. So if you don't use a fish finder, guess what? It's a cubby for uh, a lot of tackle boxes fit that size. I made it the exact size for lots of different little small tackle boxes fit there, or you could throw stuff loose there that'll hold stuff. You can you, um, put little tackle bags there that fit there and it'll hold things in and in front of you. And, and there's also a, a iPhone holder right there too for selfies or live streaming. So it holds your iPhone right there perfectly right at you. So if you have a fish finder there, then the iPhone holder is kind of, it's kind of, doesn't bec it becomes useless kind of because yeah. it, it covers it up if that makes sense so the, the point is you've got uh, there's other features and other reasons for for things that, uh, rather than just what, what we're kind of like showing off oh it's a recess for this or here's a you know copy for that or whatever so it's pretty cool um pretty cool boat it's very gonna be really good it's 11 foot 10 34 inches wide like 77 pounds so it's um, very stable, going to be great on rivers. Obviously, it's named after the shoal bass. And as unique and beautiful as that fish is and rare, I, th I think this kayak is very unique and, and beautiful and rare in its own ways with um, all these unique features. It's got um, a, an interesting cam strap handle on the bow, which is I, I call it the, our cam track system. It's a Yak Attack gear track, a custom Yak Attack gear track on the bow. Um, and it's using the two vertical tie downs, which are just a uh, – the little things that your cam strap can go through for yak attack yeah. and in that track and you can and there's actually a, a kind of a plastic handle molded into the this seven foot long cam strap it's kind of you have to see it it's pretty cool and and so basically you can adjust that length of that handle that strap if you will whatever you want so if you want it to be just a handle that's fine and all the excess can go in the front tank well and all the excess of the strap but when you go, when you get out of your truck or whatever, and you need to tow your boat to and from the lake or river, just extend that strap out into a loop. And now you got that handle and just, it's a shoulder strap for, for walking it and towing it. Or you can put it around your waist. 
you could use that as a wading belt in the river or creek or lake if you're just wade fishing and your kayak floats behind you. And then again, if you don't want any of that, tuck the excess in or even cut all the excess off if you don't want it, if you just want to handle up there. But the beauty is because it's on that track, you can take it completely off. And now it's just your rod staging groove on the bow of your kayak, you know, and you could, you could put a roto grip there, but it's, it's already a channel, so you don't need to, but it's, and there's several other bow rod staging grooves there. So your rods don't tangle into each other, but you can clean it all off is the point. You can put a spotlight on that track. You can put a GoPro on the track facing back to you. The whole thing is just super customizable. Um, and the, the front hatch is a tank well, and on the lid, there's a rod saver like you see on bass boats, you know? So you just clip that rod saver over the Velcro. Your rods are in your rod staging grooves right there. And then just put it in the back of your truck and go. Super quick. And then the inside of that front tank well is really cool because it's got internal rod storage. There's a couple um, flanges that you're, you slide your rods in. And there's a couple grooves that hold your rod butts and your, your reels are laying inside there. So you've got internal rod storage through that front tank well. It's not an open cutout internal to the hole you could cut it out if you want to but i like the protection that having those rods and those um and those you know, for lack of a better word just those pipes that are inside there you know and um and then uh, your batteries fit in that tank well as well which is you know obviously meant to be in conjunction to that you know on the other side of that wall is the fish finder cubby so you just go right through with the the drill and that's how you get your wires and your battery right to your fish finder hidden behind the you know the fish finder in that cubby. So it's pretty cool. I mean, uh, and the, there's a transducer scupper obviously as well for the fish finder and the, my cool, couple of my coolest features here. And then I'll wrap this up cause you guys can watch the whole walkthrough, but the yak attack, the padlock, um, you know, paddle holders, they're, um, also can hold rods and, um, nets, things like that. It's a taco style. It's like a taco style, uh, you know, just com compression, just uh, paddle holder. And it has a bunch of, you could, you know, stretch over it as well but compression will hold it in so those are right here on their hips on the seat on either side of the seat so what's cool is whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt at midwayusa.com we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns advanced scent control technologies and weatherproof options to withstand the elements hunters have to wait until their favorite season but shouldn't wait on gear which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. To me, it's a, we're calling it the rod holster, but really it's a net holster. It's whatever, right? So I have my net on one side. So I'm not, I've been using it really, really good for the net because a lot of times you got a net in a tubular style holder and you got to turn around, you got to pull up and it's kind of you know, clunky. Um, yeah, but this yeah, is right there. I do now. Yeah, you're going to love this thing. <laughs> Because this is right there. Yeah, it's it's just on your side, and you don't have to pull up or anything. You just pop it right out, scoop the fish. It's so easy. And the cool thing about those are they're laid back at a super low angle. So to be a good river boat or good lake boat, um, <laughs> when you're utilizing the kayak for the kayak's sake, going underneath dock cables and limbs and branches and trees, getting casting angles that boats can't get to, which is what I highly recommend and why you're in a kayak, those, those, those uh, you know, taco style, like I'm saying, those padlock, um, paddle holders from Yak Attack, they're, they're sl slanted at a very low angle back behind you. I'm talking like super low, like barely even angled up at all. So you can go underneath anything when you have rods and, and nets and everything in there 
and things are just flush and low profile in this boat. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's got a little recess for a line cutters right below your seat and a, and a hook sharpener stone that you'll, you can get on the website, um, Crescent's website as well, or line cutters. It's the flat mount. You can buy those anywhere, but you know, hook sharpening stone that goes right there in the other recess. Again, these are little reminders to help you, um, hopefully, you know, catch more fish by, Oh, there's, you know, I need to sharpen my hook. You know, I just got stuck on that rock for a while. I was pulling it hard. And if you look at your hooks, a lot of times they're, they're bent, you know, they're not straight and pointy anymore. They get bent microscopically just bent over and they're not going to penetrate a big fish's tough mouth. So hook sharpening stone right there. You just boom, you're good. So there's a lot of cool stuff. I think most people though, are, they see that catchboard recess. The fact that the catchboard never has to move, it stays right there in that location where it should be taking your, all your pictures. And, um, it's, it's amazing for tournaments. i tell you that after fishing that tournament, I was like, this is so cool. I'll never even have to like go find my catchboard, put it there. And it's down low recessed into the boat. So it's as lowest point as possible. So your fish flopping is, it's very hard for fish to flop up, you know, that high and get out. So is it kind of on an angle? I know a lot of people like to have their catch boards on the an angle. It's, when it's not an angle, but it's recessed in. And what happens is you can, you could get any little piece of foam or anything and put it on that one side and it'll just tilt it slightly. And then it's, it's in there. You know what I mean? You don't have to, there's actually foam on, um, you know, there's a pad kit for this kayak that comes on it. And we actually have a measuring board pad kit where the catch board goes. So if you don't have a catch board, or you're not fishing a tournament, you can, uh, you can just measure them on that pad kit. But what's cool is it silences it. And so it's kind of like you can make your catch board elevate just a teeny bit and put a little bit of foam like that, a little extra p teeny piece of foam, and it'll just angle it a teeny bit and you'll be good. So okay. well, that's a lot for your boat. <laughs> No wonder why it took so long to come out. Yeah, there's a lot, there's man. A lot in there. A rear hatch, power pole, drag chain shoots, power pole, you know, um, geometry back there for the, the four hole pattern. The can the, the tank well's got a cam strap system that too. So you can, you know, pull your black pack or anything you have back there. You can, you know, cinch it down with cam straps. There are many three quarter inch cam straps. So they're real cute little, and you just pull them real hard, and all your gear is going to stay where you want it. And, uh, there's even, I even have security bars down as low as the floor. So if you just had like the thinnest little Plano box, you could put a cam strap between the two security bars on the floor, you know, cinch it tight and you could flip that thing over and you're never losing a thing where a bungee is kind of like, Oh, I got to have the exact right size item or, and it's flopping. And, and so it's just a cool system. And kayak is, is obviously, you know, was designed by somebody who kayak fishes. So yeah. <laughs> and it reflects that. So. And thanks again to Crescent and the, uh, the owner, James Durbecker, and all the folks at Crescent. You know, Scott Butcher did the filming and the editing on the video. Justin uh, Forrest, he's our marketing director. The website, I just saw the preview of it. It's not live yet, but it's about to be. It's unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable the job they've done. And James, the owner, letting me and trusting me, just, I'm like, dude, you got to trust me. Just freaking trust me. If you let me just design what's in my head and just let me do it, it sounds crazy. I know some of these things might the extra work or this or that might be complicated, but just do it. And I promise you it'll, it's going to be worth it. You just got to believe. And he trusted me and, and probably was good that he was not, he's not like a, an angler really. I wouldn't say he calls himself an angler. He fishes a little bit, but he's more of a paddler, you know, it's rotor molding high performance, you know, wreck. That's, that's what he is. And he, and he's good with hole designs and stuff like that. So he kind of, you know, needed someone like me. And, and so it was easy for him, I think to trust me because he probably didn't know any different. And he was like, okay, well, if you think that that's what they need, but he fought back on a few things. And I'm kind of glad he did. Cause I'm, I'm kind of glad a few things didn't, didn't make it that 
he was fighting fighting that maybe we shouldn't do on it for different reasons too. Um, some things take the price up, you know, too high, right? Yeah. And um, if it's not a feature that everyone's going to use, and we don't want to jack the price up too much, so yeah. it's only fifteen ninety nine. It's not like it's an expensive kayak compared to what's out there. It's not that bad at all. Uh, yeah, no, not at all. So, um, other than that, any other sponsors you want to give a shout out to or anything like that? Um, I mean, you guys just follow me on you know social media. I, I shout them out enough. There's a lot of them. I mean, I'm headline sponsored by Real Tree Fishing, and they've been great all year and, and for a couple of years now. Um, Z-Man is I catch most all my fish on Z-Man, so I appreciate those guys. And um, you know, I'll just say bending branches just to throw three of them out there just because it was such a key player in this tournament and a lot of these tournaments i've been doing well in is just dude you know bringing kayak fishing back to the roots a little bit just with the paddle and hard work and making it happen so the angler pro has been really good to me well i appreciate you coming on man and i appreciate everyone listening and we'll talk soon i'm sure all right yeah buddy (laughs) sounds good man thanks again have a good day man All right. See ya. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddle and fin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures, your Midwest premier paddle sports destination, go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.